On this episode, we dive into the trenches to fight the never-ending war for Shiloh. So get ready to kiss the princess and get everyone health care because you're listening to a Kind of Garbage telesitting podcast. Hey there, and welcome to Telesitting, where we watch a TV show and decide if it's worth our time and if we'll ever watch it again. I'm Adam Bishop, and with me, as always, is... Cody Andrews. All right, Cody. We finally got to watch Kings, the first two episodes. You have been talking about this for uh, a few months now that you... Actually, you you tell the story of Kings and um, how excited you were to get into it. Kings was a... It was a television show on NBC in the mid-2000s that I watched, and I've never met another human being who's ever seen it or heard of it. And I always it always kind of blew my mind because I always thought it was like more of a high-budget TV thing. So I just assumed like everything on TV has like a ridiculous fan base. So I just assumed people have to know what this is. So I was so excited to get you to watch this. To be like, I now know one other person who has seen Kings. <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk about it finally. Yeah, I, I had never heard of the series until you're like, there was a show that like I always wanted to watch and I never did. And we should watch it. I'm like, okay. But yeah, that was the first time I ever heard of it is when <laughs> you brought it up. Like, we should watch this. Yeah, which like, before we even get into it, were you kind of surprised at like how, I know it looks a bit dated. But like how much of like it was kind of a higher budgeted thing. Yeah, when I was reading about it, it said the first two episodes cost ten million dollars to produce, and then it was four million dollars per episode after that. Yeah. Like there's there's famous actors in it. It has like practical and at the time, I guess, like kind of cutting edge. I wouldn't say cutting edge, but it had like up to date uh CG in it. It just kind of blew my mind that it seems like this show just completely got pushed to the wayside. I, I think it is a show ahead of its time. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if they did something along this concept now, it it might have been a bigger deal. I did a little bit of background research onto it. And I think it's kind of we've I think we've talked before about some of our favorite shows that have been doomed <laughs> by this. It suffers from the fact that I, I believe NBC aired the first three episodes on like Fridays and then they sat on the rest of the series for several months and then released it as like a Saturday night show. So whatever like small fan base it got or like whatever like initial viewership it got probably presumed it was canceled or they just never saw it again and then several months later it comes out on a completely different schedule so like no one would even know to look for it that's always the issue that you sit there and watch a tv series and for the first few weeks it's the exact same time and night and then you go to tune in and it's gone you're like where the fuck did it go what's it's funny just because like like i remember like me and you were of the generation where like if we want to watch something, we kind of know when to look it up and when it's going to be on. And also, for the most part now, like streaming has obviously taken everything over. So most people know when something comes out, it usually is announced, it's released. 
and then it's available for streaming at any time. So it's kind of a weird concept now to talk about TV schedules because it doesn't really seem like that's a relevant way to release media anymore. But like I remember visiting my parents and there'd be a television show that they watched and they would turn the TV on. And if it wasn't on, they would just go, oh, I thought like it's Thursday night or it's Thursday at eight. Isn't that when this show's on? And my mom and dad would be like, oh, I guess it's um, maybe there isn't any more episodes or whatever. And I kind of it it reminded me of that, of like how a lot of people in older generations from us watch TV. Like if it's not set in stone, you'll never see it again. <laughs> I remember being a kid living with my parents and going through the TV guide because we got it mailed to our house. And you would just flip through it looking for your shows. And then if you had a highlighter, you would highlight it or write it down. I think my mom used to write down what time and channel a show was on and what days just to remind herself. (laughs) Yeah, but it it is weird, though, because like that's not like obviously there still are shows on TV, but like that's not a thing anymore. Now everyone's just used to when is it getting released on Amazon or when is it getting released on Netflix? And then either the entire thing comes out at once and you watch it, you set the pace for like how you watch it or uh, it comes out in like a, some sort of staggered release where it's like a new episode a week. And then you, you just know like Monday morning, a new episode will get posted. You can watch it whenever you want during the week. Yeah. TV is definitely way different now. And then with streaming, yeah, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And it's kind of it's it's weird, too, because like I remember that about uh, I guess some things about that never change as far as like I remember watching Game of Thrones. And I remember the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones because I think that I think that came out on like Fridays on HBO. And I but I came out like late on Friday. And I remember my brother having like HBO go in Canada so you could stream it whenever. But I remember that being a big thing was like people would freak out and be like, nobody watched the episode live because no one wants to stay up till or maybe it was Sundays it came out. But like no one wanted to stay up till like 11 to watch it. But some people obviously did. So you like had to stay off the Internet to like avoid spoilers and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is people were freaking out about that with like uh, that Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian and how it ended. That seems like it's never going to change. Like you can come out with like new ways and new styles to get media to viewers, but you're still going to have to put up with the whole people are going to complain about the fact that people have seen it before them. And they're like, why don't I don't want it to be spoiled. It's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't live on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, Before we get into the episode, I don't know if you saw this and I'm kind of disappointed this character was not in the first two episodes. It's the king's nephew who is exiled. I watched this. I'm the only human being who watched the show. It's Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I saw him in, like on the IMDb for it. I'm like, oh, fuck. I wish he was in the first two episodes. He comes as like, uh, well, let's uh, let's we'll get into the plot real quick for this. So this is kind of like a modern day retelling of like the story, the biblical story of King David. So. Like, I, I, I'm just, I don't know if you had picked up on that, but like the unarmed soldier destroys a Goliath tank. My so like, favorite thing is I don't know the actual, like the biblical story whatsoever. Yeah. So 
like for me, I'm, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, I didn't see any of the religious undertones other than at the, there's a certain point in the first two episodes where the king's like he's talking to one of his, I don't know, like someone who is on his board or whatever it is. And the guy's like, God is going to watch down for me. And the king's like, God's not going to watch me. Are you sure? And I'm like, oh, I guess this is where the majority of the religious stuff comes in, where he's like really concerned about God not being in his favor. But there's nothing like really yeah. spiritual about it. So that was like kind of strange. Yeah. So it's it's like the biblical story of King David. David is like kind of like a the son of a, he's just like a, a farm boy almost. And he ends up killing like a warring nation's champion named Goliath. And then by doing so, he earns the favor of King Saul and becomes friends with King Saul's son, Jonathan. And then Saul ends up turning on David, thinking that God favors David over him. And God will, because like, this is, this is all going by the assumption that like, if you're the king of something, you like you believe that you've been anointed by God to rule. So Saul believes he's falling out of favor with God and that David has God's favor and will become the new king, which he does. There's, but not in this series because it got canceled. <laughs> well, in, in this series, it's like the very, very beginning. Like it takes that concept of like a of like a religious king in modern times kind of questioning like do i even have and like religion and faith obviously has to play a big part of it um it's kind of him questioning the role faith has on modern day politics like he believes he's been anointed by god to rule but then he's like the things i'm doing to protect the people in my country will god judge me for it or or like because he has, there's a, an, a, another character who's basically like his, uh, I'm trying to think of what, I can't remember his name, but he's basically the character is the, like the, the representative of the church for the kingdom. And he's kind of like one of the king's aides as well. Is that, so, um, is that the watch guy? Yes. The guy who gives, the guy who meets David years ago and, and gives him a watch for helping him. He kind of is questioning. What the fuck is Ian McShane's character's name? Uh, Mr. King. <laughs> yeah, the king. He basically like tells the king, like, you know, God wants you to rule by peace and da 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 da. And then it also focuses on like the political aspect that's like kind of whispering in the king's other ear, being like, you have duties and responsibilities as the king to do this, this, and this. Like, don't forget that. So I always, I think that's kind of what drew me initially to the show was I really kind of liked the political side of it um where i thought it was an interesting political concept of like this guy who's the king of like a his kingdom's basically at war and he has a chance to make peace but he also has a chance to like finish off his enemies and like politically he could finish off his enemies and like it would grant like safety and security for like generations for his kingdom but then there's like the religious side of it where it's like, if you do this, you'll fall out of favor with God and like eventually will lose the people. Yeah. If somebody asked me to, um, it's like, what is this kind of like? I would tell them, take the, the tale of King David, mix it in with um, a little bit of Game of Thrones. And mm -hmm. also, I think it's the Princess Diaries. <laughs> and yeah, that would be, that. yeah, that would be what this is. It's yeah, it, it, it's a show that kind of like hits a lot 
because it definitely has a lot of the Game of Thrones political stuff. And even though it is like set in a, it's like contemporary time. So it's like set in the mid 2000s. It's ruled by a king and the whole political system is like, like they're like every time they're in that off, like that boardroom, like that's supposed to represent like the king's court where people come to court to like air their problems with the king for the king to like issue a decree or judgment on something. So it's just very modernized versions of like kind of a, a medieval, I would not even, I wouldn't say medieval contemporary take on like how an actual ruling monarchy, like ancient ruling monarchy would work in modern times, like take those rules, but put it in the, the year 2007. <laughs> I think the thing that really disconnected me from the show is that it is set in a fictional country in a fictional capital city. If they just picked the United States and gave it a capital and then like they went to war with the North, which is Canada, I think that would be a lot better than this country is called, is it Gilbo? Gilboa? Yeah, like, Gilboa, I, yeah. Yeah, and its capital is um, Shiloh, which every single time they said it, all I could think of was Grandma's Boy, where they go to the vegan restaurant. And they meet David Spade and he's like, hi, I'll be your waiter. My name is Shiloh. And they're like, excuse me, did you say your name is Shiloh? He's like, yeah, Shiloh. (laughs) (laughs) This must be your first time here at Our Lady Health. I'm Shiloh. I'll be your waiter all day. I'm sorry. Did you say your name was Shiloh? Yeah, Shiloh. That's weird. (laughs) What? It's weird. He meant gay. (laughs) Yeah, so like everything kind of has... Oh, and they have a very lazy flag of, of butterfly on it. Yeah, and, that, and that's, yeah, that ends up, be, yeah, we'll get into that in a sec. Yeah. yeah. So, like, all the names are kind of, like, spin on just, like, biblical cities and names. So, like, Gilboa and Shiloh, yeah. It's all just, like, something that, like, you would almost misread from the Bible, where you're like, that's a biblical city, isn't it? Oh, no, it's, they just changed two letters, Okay. The flag is just, it's like a, an orange flag with a butterfly on it. But the butterfly is, which is like a super lame flag. <laughs> <laughs> but the butterfly is supposed to rep, represent the, the king of uh, Gilboa. He believes he was like trying to like take the city over because the city was kind of like ground zero for like a bunch of infighting between three other nations. So he takes the city and basically declares independence and then kicks all the armies out. And then by doing so, at some point, a bunch of butterflies land on his head. And then he takes this as a sign from God being like, rule these people. Like, you can do more to help these people by being uh, their king. So then he's like, hey, I'm I'm the king of Gilboa. And people are just like, all right, cool, man. So, yeah, so the basic premise of it being like the the King David story is David's a farm boy. He gets tied up in this war. He lives in Gilboa, like on the outskirts of the country, grows up poor, enlists in the army with like his brothers and everything. A bunch of a couple of soldiers get kidnapped. Gilboa's not going to negotiate for the release of the hostages. And then he's like, well, they're just going to kill them. Like, that's not right. So he ends up like staging his own rescue mission 
and one of the soldiers. And in doing so, he blows up an army tank that has the word Goliath written on it. He blows it up and then he realizes later that one of the soldiers he rescued is the prince of Gilboa. It's the president slash king or whatever. It's his son. So by doing so, he like earns favor with the king and everyone just kind of the son just assumes the king is going to like throw a party for David, show him around the city, give him a ton of money and be like, there you go. Thanks. You know, but then David ends up becoming like this kind of like quasi celebrity slash freedom or like symbol of hope for the people. So then the king realizes, like, I should probably keep this guy around. Like, this guy might be useful to have by my side. Going back to the butterfly thing, throughout the entire pilot episode, the king is constantly being, like, questioned by his court over, are you doing the right thing when it comes to this war? Like, you should be attacking. No, you should be. This is when you should send a declaration of peace and this is when you should do this and this is when and he's just kind of being nitpicked over what he's doing and then you find out that his the queen the queen's brother is like the richest person in the country and owns this huge i don't even know what it is it's just like this huge like manufacturing conglomerate or biotech something he's basically the bank of westeros (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah he's like the the lannisters from game of thrones so you find out that he married this woman to help finance like his whole push to be king and the brother helped him do it knowing that if this works like his brother-in-law will be king and like he, they'll just have like unlimited rule so the king is getting ready to like issue this huge like peace summit thing and his brother and then the the guy who represents his like religious guy comes up to him and he's like this is what god wants like god wants peace you're doing the right thing and then his brother-in-law is like do you know how much money we have invested in like military manufacturing like if you declare peace overnight we're gonna lose billions of dollars like if you declare peace i'm going to like basically get rid of the the bank like i'm going to get rid of like all your funding so that's kind of like some of the conflict that's going on with the king and then david comes in and kind of like stirs things up because he really believes in his brother ends up dying in the in one of the fights and then he believes that like they should be doing a big push for peace the king invites him over to his house or i guess the castle you'd call it And while he's there, he's like just hanging out in the backyard and the king looks out a window at him and he notices that like a bunch of butterflies are making like a crown on his head. So the episode kind of ends with the setup of the king is looking at David being like, oh shit, this is like I'm literally witnessing God choosing a new king. What am I going to do about it? There's so there's so much political stuff in it that it's crazy. And at the end of the episode, yeah, David's standing there and these butterflies land on his head in a circle, making what looks to be a crown, which is how he, the original king looked at how or why he should be king is because God chose me by putting the crown on me, made of butterflies. <laughs> yeah, pretty gay so, crown. <laughs> one of my favorite things is this main character who is played by 
Christopher Egan, I think his name is. Um, yep. The only other notable thing I could find um, on IMDb, and I think Danielle, my girlfriend, looked it up, um, was he was from the main love interest from Letters of Juliet, but he also looks very similar to Matt Damon from Save a Private Ryan. <laughs> like he does, and and one of the reasons the I wanted to. One of the reasons why I wanted to rewatch this was, do you know who I thought the main actor was in this? Uh, who? My, like, what's that thing called, like, the Mandala effect or something where you remember something wrong? Oh, and then it becomes truth? Yeah. It's kind of like a half Mandala effect because I'm the only one who remembers this. So if I remember it wrong, it technically becomes truth because I'm the only one thinking about it. I remembered the main character being played by the actor Jesse Plemons, who is, like you said, this guy looks like Matt Damon. Jesse Plemons is the guy who, like, everyone calls, like, fat Matt Damon. Oh, from Breaking Bad? Exactly. (laughs) Or as I refer to him as, um, he looks like the retarded puppet from Team America that of Matt Damon. (laughs) Yeah, so... That's who I I remembered him as. I'm like, I know it's not Matt Damon, but I know it's someone who looks like Matt Damon. And then I remember that Jesse Plemons guy kind of started to get popular. So I immediately was just like, why would he get popular? (laughs) uh, He kind of started showing up as like, he showed up in a lot of things recently, but he's, I don't know. I, I think he's good, but I don't know if it's so much that he's good or he shows up in a lot of things that incidentally are good um and i that- need you to explain something to me about the tanks because i know that you're you're big into tanks you know a lot about tanks okay go ahead why were the tanks not running like they were turned off he explains it but i'm like i don't understand what's happening were they cooling down oh um yeah so that's an that's another thing that kind of hints at uh, david and his brother are looking over one of the trenches and there's a line of gas goliath tanks and david says something referencing the fact that they're probably gonna they're probably gonna open fire on them soon and then like right after he says it the tanks start shooting at them and the brother goes like the brother kind of says something like hinting at like what do you get like messages from god telling you that like this stuff's just about to happen like how could you possibly know that which is supposed to be the first little bit of foreshadowing that like David has God's favor on his side. Original, we thought that maybe he had like superpowers where like he could sense stuff. And I was like, ooh, it's going to be like almost like a sci-fi show as well. But no, he's just, he's Sherlock Holmes in this where he just pays attention, knows what's going on. Yes. So uh, his brother ends up getting shot on the front lines. So he goes to visit him in like a military hospital or in a field hospital. And the brother goes like, oh, it's not looking good for me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you got to tell me, though. He goes, how do you how do you know when the tanks are always about to fire? And then he says, the explanation is the tank crews put their ration packs on the engine and then run the tanks for like 15 or 20 minutes to heat up their food. And then they they open fire on Gilboa like they open fire on the Gilboa side knowing that they'll have to take cover so then that way they know while they're taking cover they have like 20 minutes of peace and quiet so they can eat their food and not have to worry about like getting blown up you tell me something um 
how did you know those tanks were gonna shoot? Come on, to make me die before I know. They're tank teams. Like to use the exhaust stacks to heat up their filled rations. They drop the entrees in when they're idling. You can hear them gun the engines to blow the packs out. They always do it before they shout. So they can have a hot meal in peace before we, before we got our heads in the sand. Ah, <laughs> oh, it all makes sense. Yeah, and then his brother's like, shit, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one of the funniest things is they use this this image of David like standing in front of the tank, like, I'm fucking ready for you. And then you find it later in the episode. He's like, I was surrendering. Like I put down my gun. And it's just me being like, don't shoot me. <laughs> yeah. He makes like a pipe bomb or something. He makes like this improvised explosive thing with a wrench. It's like, yeah, he makes like one of those like German stick grenades where he basically takes a wrench and then like ties a grenade or some sort of like explosive pack to the other end of it. So he's got like leverage to throw it. He, I think he was going to use it as like a distraction or he was going to use it as a distraction or something, but he ends up throwing it at the tank and then realizing it doesn't go off. So he's just standing looking at a tank and then he, from the back, it looks like he's standing up like defiantly, like he's standing up to gas. But then later on, he says like, I was literally standing up because I threw my gun down and I was getting ready to put my hands in the air being like, all right, I surrender. And right when that's about to happen, his little grenade thing goes off and then he runs into a trench and finds a rocket launcher and then he blows up the tank. And then everyone's just like, who is this guy? Some sort of super soldier? He's Jean-Claude Van Damme. And incidentally, the guy, the king, the guy who's the most mad about David being a super soldier is uh jonathan the king's son who's played by sebastian stan who played uh captain america's buddy in the marvel movies was he bucky yeah he was bucky oh i was gonna say the only thing i could that i really noticed because i'm not a big captain um america fan was i have written down that he was in the hayden panettiere music video for wake up call oh was he he was in a netflix movie with tom holland and robert pattinson uh i I can't remember the name of it right now but he was in a movie everybody but ian shane who is um i guess now most known for being in the john wick movies like everybody else was kind of like a one and done actor yeah there was there was a lot of people in this that kind of if you look them up on IMDb, it's there's a there's a lot of character actors in this, like Wes Studi's in this, and that Dylan Baker guy's in it. Which um, which guy is um Turkey Neck? Who is that? Uh, Dylan Baker. That's Dylan Baker. Yeah, because like he pops up, I'm like, oh, it's it's that guy, and he starts talking exactly, and being yeah. bad, and I'm like, oh, he's playing the same character that he does in every single show. Yeah, kind of like the the Weasley guy. Yeah, he he was in Spider Man Two. As uh, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. He was in Spider-Man 2 as Kurt Connors. Missing an arm and everything. Like oh. plant, like planting the seed of it's the lizard. It's Kurt Connors. Um, and he's like and he's and he's Peter's college teacher and every it because like remember how Peter's in college. Dr. Octopus is like one of his professors. No, he wants to write a paper on Dr. on Otto Octavius his professor like basically gets him an in 
And then he goes, what did my professor say about me? And then he's like, oh, your professor said you're like the smartest in your class. But he also said you're lazy because you're always falling asleep because he's <laughs> out and about being Spider-Man at night. That the professor who like recommends him is Dylan Baker. This series, I'm going to assume it's the entire series. But for these two first episodes, there are so many subplots in this that I can understand why some people might have been turned off by it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go through a couple of the subplots really quick because I have them in my notes. Yes. The first one, which isn't so much a subplot, which are my two favorite characters, which I have written down as the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost duo. Do you know who the two guys I'm talking about are? The Castle Guards. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Where they're right at the beginning and they're kind of bickering just a little bit. And then they show back up at the end of the episode. We're like, oh, my God, these guys can be reoccurring. Excellent. They they're in almost every episode, and I th- their gimmick was kind of to show it was kind of like to bounce off gossip and stuff that was going on in the in the castle. So like they they basically exist just to like walk in on situations or to accidentally overhear things. They're also kind of done as like comedic relief too. Yeah, the other subplot that I have is the queen lost her phone. And the queen's assistant was blamed for, I guess, sleeping with, what was his name, Jack, the kid? Oh, yeah, Jack, not Jonathan, Jack, yeah. Which leads into the other subplot of... Of that Jack is not straight, even though at the beginning of it, they go to like a, a nightclub and there he is like just hanging out with these like two ladies like around his arms. But that's just a cover because he's not allowed to be gay because he's the heir to the throne. Yeah, so Jack is gay. And he's also the, he's like the eldest son. Oh, so that's he, an amazing he, scene where the king is just like, if you're my second son, I wouldn't care. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> is it my reputation? The, the party prince? Is that it? None of that matters. That, it's not who I am. Oh, if only it was. What would I give for a playboy who couldn't keep it in his pants and who runs through women? But what I have is a son who shows no interest in them. Oh, you thought I didn't know? I've been keeping pictures of our family out of the free press for years. What you do at night with your boys after your show of skirt chasing is a disgrace. If you were my second son, I wouldn't care. But for a king, it's not possible. (laughs) And he just starts crying. And when he starts crying, I'm just like, oh, man, he's going full Harry Osborne on Tobey Maguire. <laughs> yeah, that becomes like a reoccurring premise or I guess like kind of a that's like uh, Jack's side story is that he wants to be king. But he also knows that to like rule the people, you have to have some sort of like divine intervention. You need like some sort of like divinity power. So his father has the story of like rebuilding the city and kicking out the three armies and then God giving him a crown of butterflies to be like, there, you're you're the king now. So he joins the army and then he wanted to be like, he wanted to be a, a military hero. So that way when he becomes king, he would have like all these military hero stories to be like, Oh, it was super dangerous. But then God said to me, like, yeah, you're going to get out of this. So he's like, that's how I knew I was supposed to be king. When he gets kidnapped and then rescued by David, 
he's like very offended by it because he feels like now people are going to mock him for being like not in God's favor and like could not be the king. And um, back to the queen's assistant, the first yes. scene that you see um, where they're talking about the missing phone and they're getting ready for the party. I looked over to Danielle and I'm like, her boobs are like out her bras, just like hanging out of her shirt. And then as the queen's like, so they're talking to her, she just looks down at her chest and then fixes her shirt for her. And I'm like, Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, and that's like another thing too. So like the King says something when he's talking to Jack, when he's drunk and he's like, I know what you do when you, I know what you do after you pretend to like go hook up with all these girls. I know you like go hook up with guys. And then he says something about like, I'm the only one keeping these pictures out of the media. So you already know that like he's influencing the media by like, he's like uh, directing his own like narrative in the media. And then you realize that like that whole scene where she's like, where's my phone? And then they're like, oh, we found it in the backseat of the limo with this like red bra which is the bra with the girl with the boobs was wearing you realize that that's them steering the net the narrative they'll kind of leak a little bit of a side story to the press that the prince hooked up with like one of the queen's assistants in the back of a limo but like he obviously didn't because he's gay so where was the phone because like that's the side plot i'm like where the fuck was it because it wasn't in the car with her bra no, I, 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 I can't remember too, too much if it ends up becoming a thing later on where it's like, did someone steal her phone or what happened? It's I think I, I don't think it's brought up again. I think it's literally just a device to be like they use it to be like, oh, it must have fallen out of the queen's assistant's purse when she was getting railed by the gay prince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, another subplot is that the daughter wants health care for their country because they don't, I guess they don't have good health care. And she mentions a child who needs a new heart. And you get to see that child near the end of the second episode as well. Yeah. The King's, I guess like lady on the side. Like, so it might be, is it his kid then? Like his daughter's like, Hey dad, maybe you should give health care to like your other kid that you, from the lady you have on the side they don't know about the kid on the side so like yeah no, the no king, they don't yet no and king he's just like no i'm not gonna do anything for that kid <laughs> the king has a mistress yeah and he can't do anything to like show favoritism because he can't show that he's got a connection to this woman and kid and stuff yeah there's that side story so yeah the the princess is like we need to come up with a because that's i don't know if you picked up on it there was other kind of like there was like some dialogue throughout the show of people talking about, hey, do you think they're going to serve meat at the banquet? And they kind of talk about like there's talk throughout the show about the fact that like this country, it's like not without shortages and like people going without. Oh, I, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, there's a couple references where they talk about the fact that like it's still a relatively new country and they're doing all this stuff. But like. There's people like he talks about when he goes to the city, he's like, if I went to the city, I wouldn't even be able to afford a place to stay. And and the city smells like garbage sometimes. So there, there's there's kind of a bunch of references to the fact that like the city is kind of like I wouldn't say third world, but like there's like, yeah, some suffering going on. 
so the yeah the princess has a whole kind of arc where she's fighting for the people and she wants the king to try to offer better care for the people and then he's like my daughter had a serious illness when she was a kid she turned out absolutely fine and then she's like yeah but your daughter is like the daughter of the king like obviously she got the best fucking healthcare like available it's funny because obviously david and the daughter are gonna hook up the moment that she went on screen like like i said i don't know like the story the biblical story um or even if it's accurate but i'm like oh david's totally gonna hook up with his daughter now i think in the biblical story david had eight wives so (laughs) david did a lot of hooking up (laughs) (laughs) so yeah david and the girl like he goes to a room and like starts playing on this piano and she gets mad at him she's like that's a rare piano says something he's just like i know the only time i've ever seen it was on the internet and i'm just like oh my god you're not supposed to be playing that that piano was a gift to my father from the prime minister of austeria this piano is a broadwood grand 1848 the same year list wrote this closest i've ever come to one is a picture on the internet like i'm surprised you like he didn't like name drop like a website it's just the internet um and yeah like we said the two goofy guards later on like drop off the piano in his like little apartment because he doesn't have i guess entertainment he has no tv the king like at one point is talking to him it's like oh like i want to like give you thanks for rescuing my son like I would give you half my kingdom. And then David just kind of like leers over at his daughter. He's like, oh, I guess I'm, I am going to give you half my kingdom. And I'm just like, ew, dad. I'm a man with position offering you a thank you. Even if you ask for half my kingdom, as the saying goes, we'll speak up. Are you liable to get a car you can't afford the insurance on? Ah, half my kingdom it is. Well, yeah, like that's got, yeah. So he talks to David. He's like, what do you want? He's like, I, I, I'm you, like you saved like my lineage, like my son. I'm basically have like a life death debt to you. So but I, then the dad I, gets mad when he like makes out with his daughter and he sees the pictures of it. He like threatens yeah. to like kill him and snap his neck. He can't tell you how to move people. You can do that. Talk to Gath face-to-face. Call out to the Premier directly. You have to try. Do not presume to tell us what to do. We are king, and we do as seems right in mine eye. Say otherwise again, and we will snap your neck right now. The next time you touch my daughter, don't do it on camera. That'd have been a much different picture in the paper this morning if it didn't come to me first. Which, that's something I liked about the show, but maybe people didn't, was like, he's not like the he's not an elected official or president like he's the king so like he actually believes he has like divine rule over people so like by this like farm kid coming in and being like hey i made out with your daughter he's just like i could literally kill you right now like and nothing would happen i'm the, i'm like the king so i kind of like that old school kind of political feel to it but i could definitely see how some people would be like wait what the hell's going on like why is he mad about that and it's like because he's the king and she's the princess it's not like he's an elected president and his daughter is just some girl yeah there's there's lots of like just people getting mad at each other for little things and then for bigger things the the daughter gets mad at david for touching the piano and then the dad gets mad 
at the son and then his brother-in-law gets mad at the dad and then the <laughs> like everyone's just pissed off at each other so what what other side stories are there see I'm, I'm i'm looking to see have i missed any before don't tell me what they are but let me know have i missed any yep there's oh, a lot there's, there's there's so many even um the spiritual like god guy when he gave david the watch right away you, you know like watching it like oh this is foreshadowing like that watch is gonna come into it later on and then david's like wearing it and he just like when he walks up to the the spiritual guy he just kind of like puts his wrist out and like dangles and he goes look what i still have <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah what did i miss well with the religious guy like the whole watch thing is like really ham-fisted but he references he like gives them david refuses to take money for fixing his car for him yeah uh, in the past and then he references he's like well i'll give you a broken watch because you can fix anything so Ooh, the, I'm going to give you a broken kingdom to fix. Exactly. So there's uh, that. And then uh, there's Wes Studi, who plays like the military general for the king. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a bit of a side story that's starting to be set up where like you kind of realize he's also like assassinating people for the king. Because <laughs> he, ass- he assassinates uh, someone in the the king's like inner they they kill somebody in the king's inner circle oh for, yeah it for, was on the tv yeah for questioning the king and they make it look like he had a heart attack and then when the king kind of starts to turn on david towards the end west duty's character is just like hey do you want me to take care of him and then you realize that like he's more than just a military leader he's also like hired muscle there's the the side story for the Dylan Baker character, who's the brother-in-law, who's like, you have to keep going to war so I can keep making money. And then when the king says, well, we'll have to figure out another way to make money because I'm not going to go to war. I'm not going to continue the war. You see him talking to the son, Jack. Yeah, I forgot about that. He has him like in a car. Yeah. And he's like, you know, your dad's not going to be king forever. And like, with the stunt I'm about to pull where I'm going to like empty the treasury for the king, your dad's probably going to get like fucking killed by the people because like everyone's going to go hungry in like the next week, which that that actually is like, I think one of the next storylines for like episode three and four kind of talking about like, well, what happens in this kingdom now that like the king has basically like taken he's lost like access to the treasury. Which is pretty neat. Do you know an uh, an actor named Brian Cox? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, Brian Cox. I'm trying to remember. Cause I, I, we just watched these episodes. I haven't seen the rest of the series. But Brian Cox ends up playing. Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter before uh, Anthony Hopkins did in a Michael Mann movie called Manhunter. Which oh, I was going to say, and Red Dragon, right? But... Manhunter is Red Dragon. So the okay, so the because that like those books were like I guess they were novels or those movies were based on novels that were out. One of them, one of the first novels was called Red Dragon. It got turned into a movie in the eighties by a director named Michael Mann. Brian Cox plays Hannibal Lecter in that movie. Brian Cox plays the original king of Gilboa 
who everyone assumes is dead. And then you find out that the the new king, the Ian McShane character, he actually has him like alive in a prison somewhere because he like won't kill him. And then there's like in the couple of episodes later, there's a bunch of scenes where he goes to visit him all the time. It's kind of like that Hannibal Lecter stuff where like he's in a jail cell and the king's on the outside, but he's kind of like playing mind games with the king. There's a lot of that. Like He's like Leonardo DiCaprio keeping his twin brother locked away. <laughs> Jesus. In Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, um, yeah, like, and that was, I think, I don't know if you're going to watch any more episodes of this, but that, probably, yeah, it, that's kind of like the show kind of takes a lot from things, other older properties and just kind of has fun with it. And I think maybe that's what drew me to it was there's a lot of care. It's, it's a TV show. Like there's a lot of characters and a lot of side stories going on. So um, many side stories. But that's kind of what I found interesting about it was that I I enjoyed uh, the majority of the characters in the show I enjoyed. And then I enjoyed watching their stories. So anyways, the Dylan Baker guy plays the brother-in-law who's kind of like more interested than in money than other anything else. I believe his son, who's been like kicked out of the kingdom for being like a shithead. I believe is I believe that's his son. Oh man. Yeah. So we talked about like how the show got released where like it came out in like I don't even know. It came out in like the winter and then they sat no, it on it was um March two thousand nine. Yeah. I guess is the winter, yeah. Yeah. Winter spring. But then they sat on it for like they aired like three episodes. One of which was like a, the pilot, which is a movie. And then they sat on it till like the end of summer, changed its airtime. And then they were just like, yep, here it is. Episode four of Kings. And people were like, what the hell is Kings? And they're like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a movie that came out on a weekend last spring. And people are like, oh, okay. And it's like, you guys didn't advertise it a lot. NBC was like, we didn't know how to advertise it because we it's very much based on biblical stories, but they didn't want to advertise the biblical side of it because they were afraid it would they were afraid it would scare away viewers who were thinking that it was like some sort of religious thing. I know that when um, when I was reading about it, apparently, I think it was the like American National Guard or some like military group sponsored the show. Yep. So there were commercials for them and they're claiming that the that the sponsor didn't have any like say on the scripts, but apparently they did. And that's why you like have tanks in it. And it's trying to make war, I guess, look fun. OK, I get that. I know. So, so, yeah, there's the whole thing where like they didn't know how to advertise it in like, I guess, more NBC's like more liberal as far as like a TV network goes anyway so i think they kind of didn't really know how to advertise something that had like a lot of religious symbolism in it they were just like are our viewers smart enough to just be like look we're it's a modern day version of a biblical story like just because it's a biblical story doesn't mean all of a sudden we're like a a christian network telling like bible stories so they didn't know how to do that and then this kind of came out right at the tail end 
I wouldn't say the tail end. It came out right at the start of when people really started cracking down on like um, depictions of like how uh, gay people are represented on TV and very much so like the son Jack. The only thing you really know about him is like he's set up to be like a very non-trustworthy character. And then his other character trait is he's gay and a lot of evil guy (laughs) yeah a lot of um like gay activist groups were just like why do you have to take the character who's like the evil untrustworthy character and then just be like oh by the way he's probably gay (laughs) and then they didn't know how to they also didn't know how to advertise or talk about the fact that in the biblical story king saul's son the way he's wrote the way that he's written about his relationship with david there's like a bunch of historical scholars that believe that like he was gay and then they're like that's probably that that's the reason why he's written gay on the show is there's kind of like a historical theory that like the prince at that time might have been gay but like I don't know. It's it's just weird. It just it's it's a very weird show that came out at a very weird time where like you said I I do believe it's before it's time. I think if something like this came out now on like HBO and they just added like more sex scenes, people would have been like, "Yeah, this is this is great. This is wild." So, I would definitely I would recommend that people watch this. I think that 11 years or I guess I guess uh, 12 years later it could actually find um, a fan base even though there's only 13 episodes one season and then that's it yeah it's one season it ends on a cliffhanger Uh, NBC did not renew it so it's it's I kind of enjoy that fact as well that it's like dead end now like now whatever anyone does like anything high concept like this they have to like plan the whole thing out i think it might have been maybe because it was after that tv show lost or that kind of got so yeah it got so weird at the end that it was very and then like creative teams left it i think a lot of tv networks looked at how weird that got that they were like look we're not going to make shows unless they're like we have like an actual written ending for it and there's like a bit of safety to it but like kings just it's like tune in next time and then there is no next time. It's like uh what was the show you always tell me about? Is was it the Mortal Kombat TV show? Oh my god, yes, where they go through a portal and like Earth blows up and it's like to be continued. Yeah. And there is no continuation. <laughs> there is no continuation. The ser- like, oh fuck, there goes Earth. Yeah, the series just ends with planet Earth exploding and it's like, Will our heroes prevail? Cancelled. <laughs> I love that TV show because um, I feel like sometimes they did one take because there's a scene where they're like, they're doing a flip onto the ground in a forest. The original character for the show does his flip, lands on a crash pad that you can see. And as he's landing, you can see the cameraman in the corner of the screen, like pulling away, like with his shot. And you're like, oh man, there was no quality control over this at all. (laughs) Another show that I really loved um that's very hard to watch uh was another show that came out in the late 90s 
I'm uh, hoping that you're about to say like Cleopatra 2029, whatever the hell it's called. No, no, it was a sh- it was another show on NBC, and it was like NBC's cop drama show. Oh, and, and it was called Third Watch. Okay, yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I've never watched it though. It was like I'm trying to think of like because I think Law and Order's on NBC, so it's not. It wasn't their version of Law and Order. It was like I don't even. It was their version of like kind of like a cop drama. But anyways. It was out. They spent a ton of money on that show. I think they hired Chemical Brothers to do to do like a <laughs> yeah. They hired Chemical Brothers to do a bunch of soundtrack stuff for it. And there's like a ton of like music licensing issues or a ton of licensed music in it. Like every episode had tons of like late '90s, early 2000s pop songs like license like in the show. It came out right, I guess it came out right when like DVD series, like right when that started to become like a big thing where people were like, I'll just buy it on DVD for a stupid amount of money because there's no streaming service or anything like that. And the show never got put on, it never got a DVD box set because NBC couldn't afford all the music licensing. That's insane. Like every episode just had so much music in it. By the time that like NBC realized like, oh, we could like package this as like a a home video thing. They had to redo the con like the music licensing. They'd have to redo it all. And obviously the bands and everything. And this was right around the time of like Napster and all that shit, too. So all the music representatives were just like, yo, if you're going to use our like our if you're going to use licensed music, like. We're going to have to redo the contracts for the fact that you're selling physical media with licensed music on it. And they were just like, we can't afford to do this. Like there's 20 something episodes a season and there's songs by all these like there's all these Hoobastank songs (laughs) on the episodes like we can't afford to pay for it. And then it just never got a DVD release. But the other thing I really liked about that show was uh, I think it came out in 2000 or 99. But it's literally the second or third season of that show. Fucking 9-11 happened and they just wrote it into the show. Like literally one episode just ends with someone going, hey, turn on the news. And then like the very next episode is just them being like, yo, we got to go to a million funerals this week. And it like and it wasn't like distasteful, like the way it was done, like wasn't offensive or like done in poor taste. It was just like kind of like what it would have been because the the whole premise was it would it followed a group of cops paramedics and firefighters all working in like uh new york city and they all kind of like all their interactions with one another and stuff but yeah just kind of like referencing the fact that like if you would have been a firefighter or a paramedic or a cop like immediately after 9-11 like that would have been friggin' insane like what was going on and there was another episode where like uh, one of the cops gets in a shootout or something. And then he literally like has PTSD, which was like pretty wild because I don't think there was like a ton of like PTSD representation in the media before that. So now we get to do <laughs> one of our favorite parts. We're going to rank this bad boy. All right. Well, this this is my new number one. This is going to be my my number three. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not because I didn't don't like the show. 
this just is a show that I'm not huge into dramas. Like yeah. I, I do have like some like shows on DVD, which are a kind of drama ish, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this just, this is a fine show. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just a piece of garbage human who loves Clerks the Animated Series, and I really like the Odyssey as well. So yeah, I still recommend it, but this will be my number three. No, that's totally... <laughs> Adam, you're the only other person in the world who has seen this. <laughs> like Just you and me and nobody else. Yeah, I've, I've seen... I don't think I've seen every episode. I know I haven't seen the last like two episodes of this, but I'm pretty confident I've seen the first five episodes. And I've never met another human being who's who knows anything about it. Next week's episode on the kind of garbage is first in cameo edition with uh, Dan Collins. It's our new series. But our next TV episode, I know what we're doing. I'm not telling Cody because I guarantee you it's going to be his new number four. <laughs> you, Can I guess you doing it's a TV show. Oh, go ahead. You're never going to guess it. I bet you I'm going to guess it right now. OK, sure. I'm going to I'm going to swing for the fences right now. Is it the failed live action uh, clerks pilot? No. Fuck. OK, <laughs> you You'll, I, I never heard of the show until I saw a clip of it online and I download the very first episode and I'm not even going to give you a hint because I need you to get mad at me as we watch it. <laughs> and it's only 20 minutes, so it's not going to be that much of a oh, okay, that's not bad. Get angry. Yeah. You don't you don't want my reaction because if you tell me in private, you don't want my recorded reaction of what it is. Well, I don't want you to be able to go and look it up. Do I know what it is? No, you've never heard of it. OK, OK. Yep. So it, it'll be a surprise for you. And then I guess for the viewer or viewers, for the listeners, when they get to listen to the episode, you'd be like, why the fuck did you make me watch this? <laughs> it's not porn. It's rated. It's rated E or G, I guess G for general audiences. But yeah, you're, you're going to hate it. And I'm probably going to love it and think it's hilarious. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. All right. With that said, um, go to kindofgarbage.com. Send us emails. Um, check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the kind of garbage where for five bucks a month, you get a Patreon episode every other week. You can find me at Presto Adam on Twitter. Cody, where can people find you? Uh, synced word on Twitter. Damn right. And with that, I'm Anna Bishop. And I'm Cody Andrews. And thank you for being a friend. Betty White made it to 99 years old. Woo! <laughs> I saw that it was also uh, James Earl Jones's birthday. Oh, and didn't he tell people to like, fucking leave him alone or something? <laughs> oh, I, I think he kind of like, I think he like uh, retired from acting like years ago. But someone made it, someone posted on Twitter being like, it's James Earl Jones's birthday today as well. And then people were kind of like, oh, I, I honestly like forgot all about him. Like he's kind of so, not, I wouldn't say reclusive. How but, can anybody forget about Thalsa Doom if I'm saying that name right? Yeah, Thalsa Doom. But that's what yeah. they were, yeah, they were like, uh, yeah, you don't really see him doing anything anymore. And people were like, well, and a lot of people were like, I actually kind of thought he he was dead. And people were like, <laughs> no, like he he retired like years and years ago and, and whatever. But one of my favorite things on Twitter was um, someone said that for the last 15 or for the last 10 years or something like that, 
Disney's been like locking him up in a recording studio so he can record all these new Darth Vader lines for all the new fucking Star Trek or Star Wars <laughs> Disney Plus <laughs> shit that's coming out. I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could get a sound alike very easily. I I honestly wonder how that works as far as like I understand that like Disney owns the rights to Darth Vader and all that shit. But like with his voice, they have the right to recast it. But can you actually could you mimic? Put, yeah, I would assume so. As long as like like they get lots of people to mimic actors voices, especially for cartoon shows. But that's um, that. But that's like an actual like thing where like that's like different media and stuff. So like, I don't know. I just I wonder if that's like in his contract or something that like he gets paid if they use the James Earl Jones voice in a Star Wars movie. Like I know when they did the Ghostbusters cartoon, they got a bunch of, they got a bunch of sound alikes to do the Ghostbusters voices. Yeah. Because Ernie Hudson auditioned for the voice role and they didn't give it to him. (laughs) Yeah. They said he wasn't uh, Winston enough. Yeah. So it was Arsenio Hall was Winston. And then the guy, I can't remember his name, but the guy who did Bill Murray's voice is the guy who did Garfield's voice on the Garfield cartoon. Oh, my God. But then Bill Murray ended up doing Garfield. And then Bill Murray played Garfield in a Garfield movie. And people were just like, what the hell? I don't know. Have you ever heard the story of the the Garfield movie? No. um, Fuck. Tell me. Well, apparently one of the first like drafts of the movie was it was not going to be a CG movie. It was going to be Bill Murray in a mascot costume of Garfield. Oh, my God. That would have been great. So it would have been like an eight foot tall, four foot wide Bill Murray, like foam costume with Bill Murray's head sticking out of like the neck or something with just a giant Garfield head above him. Just being Bill Murray talking to whatever actor they got to play John, just being like, Jesus Christ, John, you're sad. See, if they did that, but they did force perspective like Lord of the Rings, that would have been amazing. It wasn't even going to be forced perspective. It was going to be two grown sized adults. (laughs) but But no one in the movie was going to reference the fact that. It was a human being. Everyone was just going to be like, oh, John, this must be your cat. And then Bill Murray would be like, oh, I see. I see, uh, I see your new friend, John, has the power of two eyes. <laughs> and that was the movie. And I'm like, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that's where they looked and they're like, no, that's way too like that's way too out there. People aren't going to like that. It's like, no, no, no. That's the shit that people would love now. Yeah, but like. I think when they made it, like it was just like CG kids movies were just like making so much money. And that, they still are. And they still are that they were just like, if we make this a CG kids movie, it's the safest bet we'll ever make. And they're like, yeah, you kind of have to do it. 